Welcome to the First Pres podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. If you would like to worship with us in person, our services are Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Pres at www.first-pres.org. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And from Ephesians, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. We're grateful for the word of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word that speaks to us so clearly. We pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts to receive your word, that you would illuminate our minds to understand. And Lord, most of all, that through these challenges of Scripture, you would call us home by your grace. In the name and to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Well, our youngest, uh, Liam, likes to do what we call in our family shopping around. Shopping around. He's, uh, he's youngest of our four kids, so he has watched his sister and his brothers grow up. He's learned a little bit about the family system, and he's figured out that if he asks one parent for something and he doesn't get the response that he appreciates, he could go to the other parent and and ask. He'll shop around, which we forbid. (laughs) Absolutely not. But he knows mom is firm on some things, dad is strict on some things. I might just find a better deal if I just shop around. And if you can get a grandparent in the mix, (laughs) every day is Christmas, right? That's what a grandparent's job is. Spoil the kids, send them back. But recently he tried this with my wife Abigail, and she said what what we always say. She said, if your dad said no, don't ask me. It's over. It's no. But he said, But dad's not in charge of Xbox after school, is he? He's just in charge when he gets home from work. (laughs) So she had to explain, no, no, no. If he said no, it's no, whether he's at work or not. See, who's in charge? He just wants to know who's in charge. Who's in charge of, of Xbox? Who's in charge of bedtime? Who's in charge of fruit snack distribution today? I need to know who's in charge because I just want to get the best deal. Who's in charge? Well, in our family, you know, it comes back again and again and again. They ask, who's in charge? Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Eventually, it all gets to the same answer. You want to guess? Jesus. You were going to say me, weren't you? (laughs) Jesus. Jesus is in charge. He's Lord of my family. At least we try very hard to live under his love and mercy and guiding hand. He's Lord 
of my family. Well, this week, friends, we're taking a critical turn. The Ten Commandments are in two parts. They're the first four commandments that, that teach us about our relationship with God. And then there's the second six that begin to teach us about our relationship with one another. When Jesus was asked the greatest commandment in the law in Matthew, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Then he said, all the law and the prophets hang on on these two commandments. Love God, love neighbor. So the first four commandments that we have, have gone through over these past four weeks, they're about our relationship with God. Do you remember, number one, God said, I am the Lord, there is no other. Number two, he said, don't worship anything else. Don't attach your heart, your devotion to anything else beside me. Num- number three was don't abuse or misuse my name. And then number four, just last week, we heard about keeping the Sabbath day, honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy. If it helps you, you can think about these four commandments about our relationship with God in internal and external terms. Number one, internally, I am the Lord your God. Know internally that I am the Lord and there is no other. Number two, externally, So don't go make something in the world. Don't go create something to give your devotion, to give your life to, to serve as though there's some other God, you see? Internally, know I am the Lord. Externally, you don't make another God. And then internally, receive and understand and know my name, what I've revealed to you of myself. Externally, honor my name, keeping the Sabbath day. Public prayer, public worship, gather together, allow people around you to know that your life is a little bit different because of the name of the Lord that you've come to understand, if it helps you. These four commandments, all around the idea that you're to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Love the Lord your God until it's making a difference in your life. Love God. And now... We take a turn. The fifth commandment starts us on the next adventure. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And it begins with family. Why is this message so critical? Why do we need to understand this? Because all of us, we're all in a family. Every one of us has a family, and that means every one of us has a relationship to a family. Our family. Even in the most extreme case for those of us who who are the most isolated, our relationship with our family might be a relationship to a lack. But even so, we're related. We, We have a family. We all deal with this. And if we don't start here and get this in order before the Lord, if we can't learn to love our closest relations, then then we're not going to get very far loving those who are far from us. It's critical. How I am doing with my family is my chief and primary engagement with learning to love my neighbor. It starts at home. 
You know, for me, um, I can ask a thousand questions about how I'm doing, about how uh, I'm doing at my, my role as, as pastor of, of First Pres or, or a thousand other things, but none of those questions compare with how am I doing at home? How am I doing at loving? How am I doing with Abigail, with Ellie, with Jack? Peter, with Liam, with my parents, with my brothers, my sisters. It starts at home with family. The fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother so that, it may live, that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. The fifth commandment. Easy. Let's dig in. Maybe it is easy for all of you. That would be wonderful to hear. (laughs) Let's dig in. Honor. What does honor mean? This word in Hebrew, it means to give weight to something. It refers to weights and measures, actually, how much something weighs. So to honor your father and your mother is to give them weight. When it's a command about human relationships, it's about giving your parents the due weight in your life. Kids, your parents weigh a lot. In fact, turn to your mother and say, Mom. Uh, No, 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 never mind. No, don't do that. It means giving giving weight. It means to honor your, your mother and your father is to give them respect, to regard them with due weight in your life. It means to treat your parents with care, in an age where uh, youth is, is valued above all, you know, it's, a, it's a, a, t- a way of expressing care for our parents, even into old age. As the Ten Commandments were shared by Moses coming down on, out of Mount Sinai primarily to a group of adults, although there would all, there'd be all ages there, he was saying to these adults, honor your, your mother and your father. It's a way of saying we're going to care for one another in old age. As this people was emerging from 400 years of of slavery in Egypt, these commandments were teaching them how to be human again in the image of God. And when you're in a slave labor society, you think only of utility. How useful is someone? And, and someone who's of old age, they would become a liability. And you, you would say, well, I don't, I, don't need, you know, I don't need you in my life anymore. Even in today's society, we can easily slip into a utilitarian view of how we look at one another. We say, oh, you've, you've come to an age I don't think there's any use here. God says, this is, not, this is not how we regard each other. This is not how we love one another. Honor your father and your mother. Prize them. Care for them. Respect them. It says, honor father and mother. Both father and mother are mentioned in the fifth commandment. It's not just honor your parents, and it's not just father, assuming that that mother will come along in that. No, it says, honor your father and your mother. So God's ideal for family is in view here. A man and a woman coming together in marriage before God, 
And for procreation, bringing children into the world. And the children honor their father and their mother, even to old age, even to the end of life. This is the, this is the model that's being displayed in the fifth commandment. But parents and grandparents, there's a, there's a charge for us in this model. Inherent in that ideal that children will honor their parents, that adults will honor their elder parents, is the idea that we, who are parents or grandparents, should at least attempt to be honorable. Right? <laughs> Yikes. To be honorable. Honor rolls both ways. We see this in our reading from Ephesians, which we preached on just a few weeks ago in our summer series, but we we lift up here again at verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. Boy, I love that. Boy, isn't that a great verse? I could read that verse over and over and over again. But what's this? Verse 4, fathers, do not exasperate your children. What is that? How could a father possibly? <laughs> Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction. I don't know why the fathers are singled out here either. <laughs> don't exasperate your children. Honor rolls both ways. There's an idea. There's an ideal here where home is a place of instruction. It's a place of training in following the Lord. Family is a place of security and safety. It's, it's a place where the deepest and most foundational sense of self is developed and begins to emerge. It's the place where confidence is grounded, where love is always sure and faithful, where a child is nurtured, kept safe, trained, encouraged, grown up. Family is meant to be in this ideal. It's meant to be a little church giving glory to God. That's the ideal. The fifth commandment, it comes with a promise. Paul points out it's the only one that does. And this is where the fifth commandment, it it stands out as an introduction to, to the rest of those six. The fifth commandment is an introduction, really, to society, to neighbor love, to to community living together in all the right ways. Honor to parents is also honor to authority itself and the family ties. They stitch us together in society. Dr. John Stevens wrote a, a small booklet for our church years ago on the Ten Commandments. He called The Fine Art of Living. And on the fifth, he wrote this about the promise attached. It is not a promise of personal longevity. Honor your parents and you will live a long life. But rather, it is a promise which has to do with the very survival of civilization itself. The verdict of history is clear for all who have eyes to see. Whenever the place of the family is downgraded in a society, then the seeds of destruction are sown and the harvest will be the collapse of that society. If there is to be a better world, it will be forged out in the intimacy of the family. God gives us family to be a a building block of society, a schoolhouse of neighbor love, a, a little church with honor running both ways and running straight up to God. That's the ideal God gives us, and it's a gift. 
Our hearts long for it, as our hearts long for home. It's the, it's the, perfect, the perfect model, the perfect ideal. It's, it's exactly what we were made to be in family. It's the ideal, and it promises blessing and peace and good things, and we long for it, and we live toward it as best we can. It's the ideal, and it's a gift. Now, what if we can't make the ideal? What if we can't get there? What if we don't know how to get to that kind of a thing from where we are? See, hang with me here. I have a sneaking suspicion that some of us are not sure we have ideal and perfect families. Don't worry, I haven't, been, I haven't been creeping around, peering through your living room window, but I just have just a sneaking suspicion, call it a, a divine inkling, that maybe some of us in the room, I don't, maybe some in the choir even, I don't know, are not certain that we have perfect and ideal families. Listen, and I could go, you know, hey, and hey, this is a perfect family church, so if we don't have perfect families, uh, you know, we, we, I'm just going to count to three, and if anybody doesn't have a perfect and an ideal family, then I'm, we're just going to hop up and just add one, two. Can you imagine? Your pastor would be the first one out the door. <laughs> but why do we feel that way when we come to church? Why do we convince ourselves, all of us with imperfect families, all of us with families that, that miss the mark, miss the model, miss the ideal, long for it, but all of us with imperfections, why do we come to church thinking we need to pretend perfect in church? We don't. And you don't. But we also don't need to let go of the ideal. God has shown us a home, a family, an ideal, a family life, and we hold on to that even though we know that, that there's some distance. There's distance between perfect and present. There's distance and tension between God's law and my practice, my family. And so what do we do with that distance and tension? You see, we can't live out a perfect family life. We can't live it out. There's so many reasons why the perfect ideal isn't going to be met. It's impossible. Starting with me. I'm not perfect. And I, I can't honor perfectly. And I can't be perfectly honorable. There's so many things that keep us from perfect. Maybe uh, there are relationships and family that are strained beyond repair. Maybe uh, the people that you have the most strained relationship with have, have already passed away. You can't honor father, mother. You can't honor grandmother, grandfather. They've already passed away, and, and when they died, things were still unhealthy. Maybe you can't honor your parents because they are still devastatingly toxic for you to be around. They've hurt you. They've proven malintent. This isn't a command to repeatedly submit yourself to an abusive situation. That's not what this means, to honor father 
and mother. Maybe the child you've raised and nurtured and loved and prayed for has still turned out to be hell-bent on destruction and, and just runs from from the Lord, running headlong into disobedience. What now? Where's the perfect family now? Maybe you tried everything. You tried everything to get balanced and squared before the Lord, but something totally unexpected came along, some, some tragedy or some accident, some tragic death, and maybe even the death of a child. And I think there's no greater grief. What now? Abuse, divorce, Shattered promises, broken vows. I think every one of us, we could tell stories, and I as pastor could tell stories. Families trying so hard. Stories that, that would make you think, you know, you just say, no one, would, no one would blame you. If you got to a point where you just said, after that, I'm walking away from God. I tried God, and it didn't work. You want to say, no one, you know, no one would, would blame you. But is that what you want to do? Or can you, from where you stand, even in the middle of of all that has passed, unexpected turns and twists and imperfections and mistakes, in the middle of all that has come, can you still say, Lord, Lord be Lord of this family? We don't live in perfect families. Loss will come. Tragedy will come. And grief is hard work. It's a, it's a long walk through a dark forest. That's why in this church we hold Greek work, grief workshops at First Pres. Why? Because, not because we expect life to be perfect, because we expect life to be hard to include loss and grief and pain. And we would rather walk through that together than try to navigate it alone. Divorce is hard and painful, and and nobody seeks it. Nobody comes and stands at the altar and says, we hope to make a, a meaningful and wonderful divorce. But vows are broken, and Things stop working. That's why we have a divorce recovery workshop in this church, because we expect a distance between perfect and practice. Family is never perfect. Folks like our our friends up at uh, Focus on the Family, they know that, and they want to help. I love every time I hear Jim Daly, the, the president of Focus on the Family, come out publicly and say, there is no such thing as a perfect dad and I'm not one of them but they want to help you see this is not about some secret system it's not about doing it right and guaranteeing perfection it's about something else it's about something more yes there is confidence and boldness to say with with Joshua 24:15 as for me and my household we will what Absolutely. But there's also a verse I love in Isaiah. It says, burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. You could take Jerusalem there and just replace that word with family. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins. See, it's from the ruins we sing. It's from the ruins we watch 
for the Lord to come. It's from the waste places that we look to the Lord and we hope and we see him coming over the hill with good news. It's from the ruins we say, Lord, be Lord of my family. Be Lord of my family. Because what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of your family? Does it mean perfect obedience in every direction, perfect honor, military precision as the orders are followed from Jesus straight on down to the kids? Is that what it means? Or is it something more like this? Jesus is Lord because Jesus is Savior. In what way is Jesus Lord? He's Lord. He's he's the head of all things. He's the author and the perfecter, the beginning and the end. All things answer to him. All things hold together. He's Lord. He's God. And, And we should say, how is Jesus Lord? Well, he's God. And that should be enough. But do you know the Bible is even more gracious to us than that? It tells us how Jesus is Lord. In Philippians 2, We're told this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. His way was not to stand forward and say, my way or the highway. But what did he do? He Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that, what? Say it with me. Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus is Lord of my family because Jesus is Savior of my family. Jesus went to the cross. He humbled himself and went lower than death to save me. He humbled himself and went lower than death to save my family. And what I cannot do, Jesus satisfied. The honor that I cannot perfectly give, Jesus perfectly gave. Jesus, follow me now, Jesus honored the Father. He honored the Father. With perfect and humble obedience, Jesus, Son of Man, Son of God, He honored the Father fully, even to finish the errand to save humanity at the cost of His own life. The law that I cannot satisfy, the law that you and I cannot live up to, Jesus fully satisfied. Hallelujah. Now let me be careful here as I close, because I don't want to give you the wrong idea. God the Father isn't some angry, unappeasable, sick father figure who can't find happiness or peace until he sees his son tortured and sacrificed on a cross. That isn't the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. Follow me now. In the mystery of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, 
Holy Spirit. God, together, God as one, agreed to the magnificent work of salvation. God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, together they agreed to save you and I. And the Son, the Son of God, Son of Man, Jesus Christ, He he became incarnate. They agreed together to the joining, the emptying, the humbling, the entering into fallen and sinful humanity that God the Son, Jesus, that He would in His flesh run ahead of us to pay the penalty of our sin on our behalf. God lovingly agreed to rescue us from sin and death. And Jesus honored the Father to the full, satisfying the requirement that you and I could never satisfy. He is Lord. He is Savior. And we have a God who knows the pain. We have a God who knows the struggle. He is acquainted with suffering. He knows family grief. Even we could go so far even as to say that. And Jesus has satisfied it all. So we turn to him. He's the Savior. He's Lord of your family and all of its challenge and all of its imperfections. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your father and your mother. Oh, I try. I try to live up to the law. I see the blessings attached. I know the requirements of the law given by the Lord. I know that that is actually a call of my heart to get home. And then I'm so acquainted and so familiar with my failures. Satisfy the law? I can't. But Jesus can. And Jesus has. And Jesus has paid the full cost to bring you into his eternal family, into the household of God, by grace. Let me pray. So, Lord, you are Lord. You are Lord and Savior. You are Lord and Savior in my life. You are Lord and Savior over all this universe that you made. And you are Lord and Savior of each of our families. Wherever we sit, Lord, in our family relations, however strained, however distant, however broken, Lord, from the ruins and the waste places, we cry out to you. And we know that your promises are true. So help each one of us, Lord, in our hearts as we wrestle with these challenging things to rest on your grace through Jesus Christ who paid it all. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our First Prez podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.first-prez.org.